Hello everybody and welcome back to Glastocast, the unofficial Glastonbury Festival podcast. So in today's episode we are going to talk about ticket day. Spoiler alert, we, we got them. Spoiler alert, yes, we all three of us got tickets. Um, which, I mean, this year was so tough, but we'll come on to that in a second. But the one thing to say is that we aren't actually a three today. So once again, Rob was unavailable, but we love him and miss him. Uh, so it's just me and Miguel here today yeah. for now. But excitingly, for the first time, we do actually have guests in the studio in person with us today and multiple of them. So this is going to be really fun. I can't wait to get that started. about today is we're actually going to talk about if you weren't lucky at ticket sale and you're a bit you know bummed out and you know you think at the moment you're not able to go there are actually other ways you can get to Glastow so we're going to talk about that with our guests in a minute but first let's talk about oh, tea day the the one yearly thing that you know gives me the most anxiety of any other day um how did it go for you Miguel how did uh, well obviously we were both successful we've already said that yeah but how did it go I mean, as always, it was nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and as always, when you think you experience everything with Glastonbury, there's always a new element. And if last year is because a lot of good friends of mine were trying for the first time, most of them loved the festival and wanted to come back. And in a way, I felt a different kind of pressure, like, oh, because now I know if they don't, if they're not successful, they will feel Sad. Yeah. <laughs> a feeling I felt before. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I don't want them to feel. So in a way, I still you, you never get used to the experience of the ticket day. But we were there. We now uh, uh, the advantage is now they they know what it means. They know how it works as well. Yep. Ways to try to try to improve our luck if there's something anything like possible. that if it's possible. <laughs> but yeah, all of us were ready on the ticket day and we've been preparing weeks before the festival. Some newcomers this year, as usual. Some new people joined our groups. And well, on the actual tea day, I was it was the earliest where I got tickets actually. Was it, was it you who got through? Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, my group always get for, for ourselves actually. I still I'm still waiting someone to buy for me. Okay, okay. <laughs> but so I, I got tickets, I think it was about eight, nine minutes into the sale, which was quite exciting. And then I got really optimistic when that happened, like, oh, everyone's gonna go. Yeah. Everyone I want to be there is gonna be there next year. But that thought lasted for 30 seconds yeah. <laughs> because I'm waiting for someone else to say we're in mm-hmm. and nothing. And then I start panicking. <laughs> yeah. If anything, I got more nervous be- than before I got my ticket. Like I- I'm sorted, but now I'm nervous for the others. I-, I want them to be there. I want them to be there. They need mm-hmm. to wear it. Send me, send me a, a message saying you're in. And then the second group, third group, fourth group. So we got... Five out of eight groups. That's amazing. I also we also got five out of eight groups, but um, we had a well, I guess similar but sort of opposite. We nobody got through until maybe 18, 19 minutes in. So by that point, you know, we know that wow, you're, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, you, you're coming to the end, like, come yeah. on. And we hadn't had one person say, yep, we're sorted. So we were thinking like, is anybody getting through? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe this is one of the years where the server's just not working, yeah. you know. Nobody said they even saw the page. So we were really panicking at about 18, 19 minutes. But then it kind of went very quickly it went right I've got one I've got one I've got you know I've got our group I've got our group but it was kind of bittersweet for me actually because so I was actually in Prague with two of my best girlfriends and we 
we'd booked it and I, I mean even after 10 years I stupidly didn't think first weekend in October idiot um <laughs> but yeah so we were in Prague uh, at our uh, Airbnb me and my uh, the girls had all bought our laptops so we had laptops phones etc some of us were on 4G some of us on the yeah. Wi-Fi etc but my group and one of the other girls in the room got through but the third one didn't get tickets yeah so it was a bit of a kind of bittersweet you know, and there were of, of the th- um, eight groups that we were trying for, um, we got a few more in coach actually, which was quite good. But we had eight left to get for, and of those eight groups, like all three of the ones that are missing are quite key players. They're okay, kind of the ones yeah. that have been with us at the festival for years. So, and then you know, we were on, we were in Prague, and we were kind of expecting to be like, right, we can celebrate for the rest of the day. Woo, go for your brunch. Celebrate exactly, brunch. Go out for brunch, but yeah. poor, like you know, me and uh, I might as well name drop. Me and Camilla were kind of having to like not celebrate too much because obviously Amanda was devastated as yeah, I would be yeah, so yeah. it was yeah it was an interesting day she put a very brave face on I honestly would have probably just st- even in Prague I would have just face planted the sofa and not wanted to move I would have cried for the rest of the day I mean, I think. yeah same here mm. I mean I have a couple people who are left out now that, that we're gonna all we all gonna work together for resale yes yeah, same but then on Sunday we after the sale ended we organized to go to a pub to celebrate one of the persons left out I say, I'm still going to go. I'm going to meet you guys. And then I'm there waiting at the pub. And then he texts me, you know what? I just got downstairs and found out my bike was stolen. Oh, no. But he still went. Wow. And then he yes. arrived to the pub. But then it was like, he was like, I think this is one of the worst days of my life. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Bummed out. But everyone was there to comfort him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it was, it was just so... I know we say this every year, but it was really, really difficult this year. Yeah. Like... I, it, you know, I feel like we are the most successful people I know. Almost everybody else I know that was trying for tickets didn't get them and sort of say if they did have a group set up like we do, they may have had three groups and they either say, well, we got zero or we only got one. Yeah, like, the the percentage like, of the success rate is going down. Exactly, exactly. But I feel like we're quite lucky. We got over half, mm-hmm. both of us, which is unheard of for anybody else I've spoken yeah. to. So as much as I feel, you know, it's it's quite sad that some of our key players aren't haven't got tickets now, we will obviously try for them in a resale. But... You know, I still have to keep reminding myself that yeah. we are the we are the lucky ones. We've yeah, done very, yeah, very yeah. well this year compared to everybody else. I must say, it felt good that I was the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my I mean. syndicate to buy the ticket just to show. Okay, that's why we should listen to him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. maybe people were thinking, is he hiding something that we don't know? He's yeah, not sharing yeah. with everyone. <laughs> Has he got how, some software? How come he's already <laughs> in? Uh, it didn't happen that a group managed to buy to another group. Yeah. So everyone bought, bought for themselves. However, we there were two people managed who already had tickets, they managed to get to the registration page. But when they got to the payment page, things start going a bit wrong. Which is, which is, uh, I mean, every year after the sale, you have the discussion, is there a better way, a better system? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to get into that on this episode, at least. But uh, what I would like to see if, at least, if you get to the payment page, it should you should be able to complete, isn't yeah. it? That's that's one thing I would like to see it sorted. They did they did say in like you know they this year I think it was the first time they actually put so much detail about yeah. what the pay, what the process would be like. exactly screenshots, screenshots and everything and everything yeah so I think they did say that once you're once you're at the payment page and that is you you know you won't lose those tickets but we had a similar kind of issue so again this year everybody just managed to get their own mm-hmm. groups nobody managed to get in again and get through again but. 
we did have a couple of people who got to the payment page yeah, um, exactly. for a group and then, you know, went through and then it just hung and, and it didn't go through. I know yeah. a few people were lucky in that it, it did that. They put it failed, the but they got the email. But they, yeah, they got the confirmation. Yeah. It email, happened with one it of us. my groups. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> and they were asking me, Miguel, Miguel, we, we got to the payment, we press, and then it failed. Like, I think you might be in for a surprise in a yeah, couple of hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I mean, uh, whatever the system, at least the system that is current, it should just work at least. So I would like, I would like to see Yeah, I think they try and improve it every year. Let's yeah, hope yeah, that of course. maybe it does, but listen. So we were, you know, extremely lucky and we know that. But if we weren't extremely lucky, can you imagine like one of us sat here without a ticket? <laughs> that would be, God, devastating. We, the podcast, we're just covering the BBC coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- Coverception yeah. or something. Well, we'd have one of us like at home. Is going, yeah, that would be brilliant. Always like a secret glass day. Yeah. Like, one of us at home like diving in. But anyway, but if we if we weren't so lucky, uh, and I know quite a lot of people who listen to this aren't so lucky, um, it is a very difficult thing to get a ticket. But there is another amazing way to experience Glastonbury, and that is volunteering. Yeah. Which uh, I know we've mentioned in previous podcasts because... Miguel did so in 2014 with Shelter. And I loved it. And you loved it. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we actually have some guests in today who are volunteers from uh, both Oxfam and the recycling team. And we're going to speak to them now. I'm, you know, p- people sort of go, oh, well, I didn't get a ticket, so I'll have to volunteer. I have a funny feeling that after speaking to our guests, I'm genuinely going to be jealous enough of all the perks they get and, and you know, the, the benefits of volunteering that yeah. I, I, I might consider giving up my ticket. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, no, 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 maybe it's silly. But I think 2021, I really, really need to get on this volunteering thing because it just feels, it sounds so amazing from what I've heard so far. I mean, if you don't want to try your luck again on resale, if you start acting now, there is a big chance you're going to be at Glastonbury 2020 and also supporting a good cause. So that's what we want to share here today with the listeners and together with our guests. We want to talk about how does that work? Exactly. How does volunteering work? Why is it so amazing? Uh, What are the benefits? You know, and also what are the downsides? You know, it might be that you have a really cold overnight shift or something like that. So let's get our guests in and have a big chat about volunteering. I know I'm excited to, to hear what they have to say. Hi guys, thank you so much for coming down. It's amazing. This is our first in-person interview. So glass to glass first. Yeah, very it's exciting. Uh, I mean, nervous for us, but it's all right. We'll get it done. <laughs> um, so we've got four lovely volunteers with us here today. Let's start by going. What's your name and who do you work for? Let's start over this side. Um, my name's Connor. Been to Glassbury five times as an Oxfam volunteer. Absolutely love it. Nice. Uh, my name's Alex. Yeah. I've been a volunteer at Oxfam for four years. Um, I'm <laughs> um, Jamie, also Oxfam. Um, I've been volunteering since 2013. Uh, I'm Sean, I'm the outsider, hence why I'm wearing a NWL shirt. Um, I've been recycling at Glastonbury for six years and I also produce and present a Glastonbury documentary series called uh, Beyond the Pyramid. Um, cool. I'm loving the Oxfam representation here. Yeah. This is good for me. I used to do Oxfam quite a lot, but never at Glastonbury, but I used to do it regularly. So it's quite nice to have quite a few of you guys in. And we've got Miguel, I guess, representing Shelter as well. Yeah, so this Shelter in 2014, as I mentioned many times, this <laughs> festival, and, and I always say it was my best Glastonbury yet. So if we go around the room and we'll talk about, you know, what's your Glastonbury story? So all of you have volunteered for a number of years, which is cool, but have any of you ever been as a ticket holder? Um, what, what got you into the volunteering to start? 
So we go, let's go over here, go over with you, Sean. Uh, I first got into volunteering, um, I think I was 17, 18, and my family, we all tried to get tickets. It was at that point where we kept seeing it on the TV, and we thought, why don't we go? We're all old enough as a family to go. And uh, that kind of naive thing, thinking, you know, get on it, like, within the hour, and we'll just click purchase, and mm -hmm. your uncle. Yep. Uh, it was harder than that, and my mum woke me up, because we just thought we'd just have one tablet on to try how naive we were. And yeah. uh, we didn't we didn't get them, and uh, I was furious, because I had a rumour that the Rolling Stones were going to headline that year, and mm -hmm. I was, uh, I had hot, I'm not going to say that word, for, for Jagger, <laughs> that age, my favourite band, and I just looked, I googled ways to get into Glastonbury, I even googled, like, because my dad went in the eighties, used to jump over the fence. That was a um, different time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do it. We don't advocate that, but yeah. No, <laughs> and um, I kind of thought, right, is there any way I can get in there? And then I saw the recycling page, and I just saw the woman's uh, email who runs it, Fiona. And I simply emailed her just one sentence saying, "Hi, Fiona, can I work at Glastonbury next year?" And um, they said, "Yes, you can come along." And I went there for the first time on my own, made some lifelong friends, and uh, been there ever since. Do you remember which month? Month was it when you emailed them? I emailed them. I think it was the I think it was the day the tickets went off. Uh, and I just said that you know when you just Google, you know when you just Google an email without any thought. Yeah. And then three <laughs> months later, like hi Sean, you're in. Can you send us your details? And I was like, Mom, I'm going. Who are you going with? On my own. Yeah. And um, you know, I think I was eighteen and like never really left the village much before. So it literally oh. felt like you know the Hobbit when he <laughs> runs off and says, "I'm going on an adventure." <laughs> <laughs> so I literally felt like that as I was leaving uh, the station, and you know even at that age trying to navigate all those trains and mm -hmm. uh, you know coaches and everything and uh, I remember I went through one bit the main entrance says oh I'm a recycler I meant to just go through and they let me through and I went to my information desk and I was like excuse me where's Tom Field and I was like um it's over there. Have you got a wristband? And it says, oh no, I don't have a ticket. And I'm like, you don't have a ticket. And I was like, no, I don't. And you're here to recycle. I think so. Brilliant. And luckily my phone had 10% battery to prove that I was there. Yeah. And, I, and I went over to Tom's Field. And that's when I realised how much of a walk it was. And mm -hmm. Because I foolishly bought a, a pop-up tent, realising that would be easier to put up, but adds 10 kilo, kilograms, it felt, to the journey. I put my tent down in Tom's Field. It was the first festival I went to. And um, there were some chaps by me, and I just said, oh, is it okay if I camp here? And I said, they all said, yeah. We had a few chats afterwards. And uh, just because of that brief encounter of me putting my tent down and just talking to people briefly, those six people have uh, essentially been some of my core Glastonbury friends oh, ever oh, since. Amazing. Yeah, on that. Facebook, you know, yeah. we message each other frequently and we'll always have that sort of bond and it was a sort of first indication that like, um, you know, to go on your own and it was absolutely terrifying knowing like, oh, I've got these people around me who are going to take mm. me under my wing. I was a very... I did look a lot more younger than I did now, so maybe they thought I was just a bit like, let's take care of this timid child so he oh, comes okay. out of here alive. <laughs> but, um, that, so that was my first experience of yeah. getting a ticket and going there and feeling at ease. Amazing. I've known about Fiona since 2014. Um, <laughs> the, the mystery. When I followed the same steps you did. <laughs> well, the mystery Fiona, I mean, no one ever sees yeah. No one ever sees her, but she sorts out everything. Like, yeah, exactly. travel, yeah. like confirmation. I mean, the, the, the fact that to apply for the recycling crew, there's just a single person's email. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got Sounds it. a bit too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a lot easier then than it is it's now, now yeah. because... You know, the demand to get in the recycling is nearly as much as it is to get a ticket some point, Yeah, Because some yeah. people find it's a second way to get in. And I was lucky enough to get in because it was after the fallow year that they were just taking people on. Mm. Oh, true. And um, 
afterwards, you know, I've had loads of people saying they can't get through. And the only way I've been able to bring my, my friends along is because of recommendations. Oh, so you can... Yeah, recommend. Yeah, so when you email Fiona, you got to say I'm recommended by this yeah, person, this yeah. person, and then you vouch for them as long as yeah. you do your shifts. Uh, but even even then, you're not guaranteed. I've had like four of my friends still get turned down because it's the demands are the demands crazy. And when you're picking up litter at six a.m., you're thinking. And yet, I'm one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Cool. It's, it's basically like, I, when I did Oxfam, I just have a similar story about putting your tent down. So I went to Beautiful Days in 2012, I think it was, or 2013, only because none of my mates wanted to go. And I really wanted to go because Frank Turner was headlining. And I basically rocked up, and as I was walking in, carrying my stuff, some guy went, oh, who are you here with? Are you with Oxfam? I went, yeah. And he went, oh, great. Are you on your own? Yeah, okay, come and, you know, camp next to me. <laughs> Literally put my tent down, uh, and all of those guys I'm still friends with now. I went really? to that guy's wedding about two years ago. So it's just amazing that you just make all these pals from yeah. just where you choose to put your tent down. So on that note, let's go on to uh, Oxfam. So Jamie, you know, how about you? What was the? Why did you first decide to volunteer? Why Oxfam? That kind of thing. Um, I think. Well, I, I think everyone goes through the route of trying to get tickets and not mm. being able to. Um, I've always sort of no. I started. I went to my first ever festival in two thousand and eleven, which mm. was mm. a folk festival. Um, and since then, I've just sort of fallen in love with festivals. I ended up studying festivals at university. Amazing. And yeah, that was basically. Um, yeah, just fell in love with festivals from there. And of course, Glastonbury is the pinnacle of festivals. Everyone says that, everyone who goes agrees. And so I tried to go sort of as soon as I could really, uh, mm. as soon as I could go on my own. Um, uh, as you were saying, just after the fallow year, so mm. 2013 after the fallow year in 2012. And uh, I just tried my very hardest to go and get tickets, didn't manage to, but then I sort of tried everything um, sort of as many ways as I could to mm -hmm. go but the one thing that really took my interest was volunteering with mm -hmm. Oxfam because of the sort of type of work that yeah. you do um, volunteering on the gates is sort of the main thing mm -hmm. and as someone who has an interest in sort of the backstage and the workings of festivals in general mm -hmm. that was the one thing that I sort of really had an interest in so mm -hmm. I was so pleased when I um, applied and was successful and uh, yeah I've been doing it ever since that's as um, it, it's not much of a sort of heroic story I battled oh, no, my right. way through yeah. um, to get a ticket but yeah I uh, was really lucky that in 2013 I applied and got in but um, as many people who volunteer say I would never go back to trying to get a ticket I think I, I have done I have sort of tried to get a ticket just to see whether I would have been successful yeah. if I tried <laughs> um, but I've never just really had the taste of it yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, they say, no, I don't need it. No, that's it. Just go, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Jack can be like, that. that's it. Yeah, they just like can go around saying, yeah, I would have got a ticket, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, I, I, you get treated so disappointed when I don't get tickets yeah. mm. because I know that I can volunteer from now on. So. Do you do other festivals at Oxfam so you can get priority or do you? Yeah, so I think I've done seven festivals with Oxfam now. Mm. I If Oxfam do it, I won't apply for a ticket. Mm -hmm. um, just 
because you get to know everyone so well. Yeah. Um, I haven't... So there is a priority uh, mm. list, essentially. If you do two or more festivals, mm. the rule has changed a couple of times, but currently it's two or more festivals with Oxfam, then you can be on a priority list. Which, For the next year. Yeah. yeah, so it essentially means that you get to be on a list of people who get emailed the week before mm-hmm. and get told that they can apply before everyone else. So yeah. it's not that you're guaranteed to go, no, but no, it's no. it's fairly likely if mm-hmm. you're on time, you can sort of apply before anyone else and, and apply for your chosen festival. And so, yeah, I decided to do two festivals last year, so I'll be on priority for 2020. Nice. What um, what other one did you do apart from Glastonbury? Oh, I've done loads. Um, I've done Beautiful Days, Latitude, Reading, Leeds. Um, I wanted to do End of the Road last year, yeah. but I, I didn't manage to get to End of the Road. Yeah. Um, I've done lots of different folk festivals, mm-hmm. not with Oxfam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to get around all of the big ones. Isle of Wight is my next one that I'm sort of aiming okay. for, but nice. I haven't managed to do it just yet. Oh, excellent. And what about you, Alex? What's your story with Glastonbury? Um, so the first year I did Glastonbury was 2014 and I went with family. So I had a ticket, mm-hmm. um, lucky enough to, to get one. And um, it was quite a nice experience, but I think the Oxfam route for me was more out of curiosity. It didn't. I, I just kind of stumbled across it over Google and mm-hmm. I didn't have anyone in particular that I was planning to go with. I just went by myself in 2015. So I did the same kind of thing as... Sean just kind of turn up, plonk your tent down and yeah. and see what happens basically. Yeah. And I've noticed every year it's a different experience, which I think is what draws me back every year. You mm. meet so many different people, have different experience every time. It's such a good way to do it volunteering for me because you, as uh, Jamie put it earlier, I think you, it's a different sense of, you, you just get a sense of community and with so much respect for what you do um, mm. and you get to see such a different side of it that people are often jealous about when you tell them about it afterwards so it's really I'm getting good. jealous right now yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking like do I just suck off my ticket <laughs> yeah. people you know that you get to go there a day early than everybody else does it's mm. like wow what have, like what goes on there like yeah. what do you see are you allowed to go anywhere you want and mm. it's just it's such a nice transition between the people arriving and just getting there a little bit earlier to get yourself settled. So you do, you absolutely get a sense of entitlement, don't you? Mm. You're like, when did all the others arrive? Yeah. <laughs> when did the riff raff arrive? Yeah, when did the riff raff arrive? <laughs> yeah. To our party. <laughs> Let's hear from you, Connor, then. Yes, yeah, so, um, I've been, I've volunteered with Oxfam for must be seven, eight years now. Been to five Glastonbury's. The first festival I did with Oxfam was Best of All. Headlined by Snoop Dogg, Elton John, Fat Boy Slim. Was working Oxfam at that festival? It was a, wow. yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a great kind of introduction to um, working festivals of Oxfam. But you, it's got to be honest, Glastonbury is a completely different beast. Mm. Um, the shifts you are actually really working quite hard. But um, I wouldn't go back to buying a ticket again. Um, I've had friends, especially this year, being the fiftieth in my Oxfam group who have gone, right, this year I'm going to try for a ticket Mm. because it's the 50th. And the day of ticket day, we all got the messages, no, No. (laughs) it didn't happen for me. I'll see you there in the Oxfield again. (laughs) Um, And it's it's great. You build a community, don't you? So every year I go back and there's people I haven't seen the rest of the year. And you just completely pick off exactly where you left off. Mm -hmm. And they're your friends for the week. And then you leave again, see you next year. Back to the same part of the field, the same people, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's ever-growing. People bring their friends, and 
and we've got an absolute army and it, it kind of ended with a huge locomotion to Kylie on Sunday last year of 40, 50 Oxfamers Brilliant. all bringing their friends after shifts and we were just doing the locomotion through the crowd <laughs> to Kylie Minogue on the yeah. Sunday. It was great. Have you brought any friends with you? Have you sort of um, convinced any mates to come and volunteer? Yeah, so I was convinced by my friend Mike, um, mm. shout out Mike, who had been the year before. Mm. He'd already amassed an Ox family group. So I became friends with them and now I bring my girlfriend every year and we've got a routine and we're building on it every year. One of the advantages of volunteering is the fact you get there early. Mm-hmm. There's no queues when you're driving. You can you park very, very, very close to the campsite. There's no yeah. there's no huge walk. So we overpack. Mm. We me and my girlfriend call ourselves King and Queen of Glastonbury because we've got a massive eight person <laughs> ten with like air beds and tables and beer coolers because you can do it. Your car's just just uh, over the road, like just one yeah. minute walk away. So you tend to just, you know, Let overload. get comfy. Well, to be fair, I do that and I carry it all in. Yeah. <laughs> just want to say once, early hours in the stone circle, I met a lady and she told me she was the queen of Glastonbury. So She's been going for it since forever. <laughs> I mean, my friends call me the queen of Glastonbury, yeah. so I think there's quite a few. You, you were saying maybe some of your friends were thinking of trying to get tickets because mm-hmm. it's the 50 anniversary but the, certainly the opposite feeling where someone who didn't get tickets this year now like this okay now i'm gonna try and volunteer for the first time yeah which i think the question is uh, every time we try for tickets there's the anxiety if you're gonna be successful or not mm-hmm. uh you guys have that with the volunteering now or are you kind of certain you're going to be able to get the spot um, again it entirely depends i mean as i mentioned previously there is the thing with the priority yes first. okay mm-hmm. But I know if you're Alex, not on priority. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know yeah. Alex and I were talking about it. Certainly, if you're not priority, there is a bit of anxiety around that. I mean, I have the my best mate and my girlfriend are both trying this year. Mm. Um, my friend who came with me to to Latitude was going to do a second festival and then had to pull out of it. So therefore, isn't priority. And it's yeah. all, every week we email and go, oh, I wonder, oh, should we apply somewhere else? Should we Should we go to another organisation just mm-hmm. in case you don't get in? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think there is, I mean, especially for the 50th year, yeah. lots of big headliners apparently. Mm-hmm. And so I think everyone's saying, you know, yeah, yeah, let's do it. We haven't done Glastonbury before. Let's try and volunteer. I mean, for certainly the Facebook page, has gone from something like 20,000 members to 27,000 members in a couple of weeks. So I think, yeah, it's going to be difficult this year for people who don't have priority. But, Mm. um, yeah, it's fun for everyone who gets involved. I wasn't uh, priority last year, and it was massively anxiety-inducing. I was at work, and I told my boss... It's glass and just tickets time. It took longer than half an hour. Yeah. Oxfam do a lot right and big up Oxfam, but the servers that day were a complete yeah. disgrace. Yeah. Um, and I had friends dotted all around the country from you know meeting them at the festival and friends I was going to bring for the first time, and, and it was stressful. Yeah. So you, if you are going to volunteer, treat it like you're getting a ticket. Mm. You're, you're definitely not going to walk into that that campsite. It's, like you said, being lucky mm. at six AM picking litter, you still are a lucky one, and you know get on there at ten o'clock when it opens. Did you get in the first time? Um, no, because so yeah, a- I, I didn't either. I was I wasn't priority last year either, and I didn't get in the first time. So it's I mean that is a one piece of advice is mm. that if you are volunteering for the first time and you don't get in, 
obviously you're going to be disappointed, but do keep trying. I mean, there's a friend of mine who went last year who got in the day before Glastonbury started. Wow. wow. And, so as people drop out, basically. And that's yeah. essentially what I've advised my friend and my girlfriend to do is get the week off work, book it as annual leave, and then every single day just keep checking yeah. because naturally as you've already said, the servers just go into meltdown because there are so many thousands of people all trying. Yeah. And so the Oxfam team certainly aren't going to publish on uh, social media every single time mm-hmm. they're going to put more shifts up mm-hmm. because there'd just be no point because yeah. the servers would go down every single time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just certainly just keep looking just We're in case. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't give up. We had an awkward moment. So everyone in our house wanted to go to Glastonbury. And everyone got a place with Oxfam or a ticket except one friend. Yeah. So we wanted to celebrate and be like, let's go to the pub. We're going to Glastonbury next year. And we couldn't really because poor Sam hadn't got a ticket. And like you said, we all made it because we wanted to celebrate and we felt terrible. We all made a kind of daily morning routine to like get to work, Check. log on to Oxfam. Yeah. Like, is there a ticket? And we got Sam a ticket. Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, how does it work for the recycling crew? Do you need to email Fiona every year to show interest again? Or? So I'm just getting over Sam getting a place. I thought that would be a real downer, that would. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really happy Sam got yeah. 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 a yeah. locomotion. <laughs> oh, Christ. Sorry, what was it? Do I have to email Fiona every year? Yeah, do you need to show interest every year? No, or do you get a, no, do you get a contact? No, this is kind of the benefit of it, essentially, because you kind of feel like this self-entitled uh, SOB, essentially, because... You see everyone else fretting over these tickets saying, oh, I've got to get my tablets and laptops ready. Mm-hmm. And you're just there waiting for that email saying, like, it's open again, just re-register. And re-register is easy because all your details are there. Mm-hmm. And because um, they ask you to do it again. And they ask you to do it before they open it up to new people. Yeah. If Because sometimes they do accept new people if some people drop out. But usually, like, the past few years, they haven't. And all you got to do is fill in the same test, which is essentially like, um, there's a syringe on the floor. Do you pick it up with gloves or without? Yeah. With yeah, gloves. Yeah, yeah. So usually that's the most obvious one. <laughs> and you, you fill it out for a deadline. And your, your place is uh, usually secure. So um, I'm, quite, I'm quite new to this whole fretting of this whole ticket, the old stress scenario, which I never envisioned really, because I always had a guaranteed place. So yeah. to hear people know, I've got to do this, got to do this. I was like, well, I'm just like chilly Billy over here. You clearly got in on the right year then. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a fate and Jagger was there as well. So that yeah. was, that was a still my favorite performance. <laughs> we talked about this. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess I should tell my story. Yeah, I keep forgetting about it. Yeah. my story, I guess. We have to say, this is 2014 information, so if things have changed between now and yeah, then. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give much information. I'm just going to say what it happens. I think I've been going to Glastonbury since 2011, and 2014 was really the first year that some really close friends of mine, my housemates and some other close friends, actually said, okay, Miguel, take us there then. Take us to this magical place you don't stop talking about. These days I have this whole operation to try to get tickets, but that time was just me trying for the six of us. That was probably why it didn't happen. <laughs> so when I... Didn't manage to get tickets in 2014. It was some dark times for me. <laughs> and all my friends, because they, ne- they never been there, they say, okay, what a shame. But I was really, really down. And I, as Sean did, I started Googling straight away. <laughs> I need to find a way to get there. And then I started reading about the volunteering. And I did it through Shelter, actually. And they do bar work. Hmm. And it, for me, it was quite straightforward. I kind of I registered for interest. And I just started receiving the emails. I just follow all the deadlines. Mm. And I was in. Uh, so it was quite fun. I did uh, the Glade Bar. Mm-hmm. I was very lucky with my shifts. 
So uh, my first shift was Thursday, my second shift was Friday. So by Saturday evening, I was doing my last shift and I could enjoy Sunday mm, fully. Nice. We're gonna, uh, that's a, probably a question we need yeah, to Yeah, that's what I was going to get. Let's get into yeah. that then, like, yeah. about the work you do, actually. Yeah. So let's let's talk about let's uh, let's start with Oxfam. So Alex, what let, you know? What are the shifts like? Uh, I know you guys have to do it overnight. So how long are your shifts, and what kind of things would be placed on? So for Oxfam, each shift is eight and a quarter hours, mm-hmm. um, and you have to do three shifts across the five days between Wednesday and Sunday, or sometimes Monday, depending if you opt into that. It really is down to luck where you get placed. I think there is such a big spread across the site of where you could be placed. Um, Majority is uh, pedestrian gates or vehicle gates, which are pretty boring, I'm not going to lie. But the work that you do on the shifts is, I think for me, you have to rely on the people that you're with a lot of the time. Mm. If it's boring, um, you have to be put with the right people because, especially on an overnight shift, because you need to keep your energy up. If you're kind of not doing anything for eight hours, it is pretty tedious Mm. so the kind of work that you'd be doing is just manning pedestrian gates checking tickets just guiding people with really obvious places that they Mm -hmm. need to go anyway it's in a way it feels a little bit pointless at times but you don't want to complain because you know you you are lucky to be there and Mm. especially volunteering as well so yeah it's um it is good fun i think the best shift i've ever had was on a sunday morning um and you start at caught to six in the morning so it is a pretty early rise but i was lucky enough to be on the tea and coffee van oh. going around the whole site and um the joy in people's faces yeah. just like <laughs> especially if they've been on you know just absolutely freezing or it's raining and then you come along and their faces just light up it's because the it's the tea yeah. and then you get the people that forget their mug and they are the most disappointed yeah. people ever yeah. that was my best shift and the worst i think is probably this year i was put on pedestrian gate d for all three shifts and mm. it's the furthest away from the oxfam site yeah. it is a big trek and Past Wednesday or Thursday, there's not much that happens there. Mm. So it's like an hour and a half commute to work. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, when when there's nobody coming through the gates, it's pretty boring. But again, you make friends on your shift. You mm. you kind of have a laugh as well. I think on the overnight shift on the pedestrian gate D this year, there was that few people that when somebody did come through late. We, we made this game up that they were the 100,000th person to come through the gate and we, we all celebrated, we were all coming, we rewarded them with a chocolate digestive and they were just so confused, they were like, am I really the 100,000th person? Amazing. Because yeah. you're that first point of action for when people enter the exactly. festival. Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking bored, it's not great, you need to be yeah. welcome to the best magical place in Absolutely, the world yeah. Yeah. and get them excited. I mean, I think the volunteers bring a lot into this when you hear the magic of Glastonbury mm. and I think you need to get yourself in the mindset to make the hours pass and yeah. make it yeah. fun I guess especially <laughs> well. if they've had a, a long journey getting there because yes. the latecomers often are in a very bad mood and you've got to just be their first point of contact carrying it? 16 bags and 4 crates yeah. of cider it's always not, too much cider yeah. <laughs> oh you do overpack <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing that you know when I was um, volunteering for Oxfam at Boomtown it is you 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 have to make it as fun you know if, if it's boring that's kind of your own fault that it's boring you know what I mean so we were doing a morning shift on the Sunday I think we'd started work at I think maybe 8am and we went around and just went up to 
punters who were getting breakfast and clearly very hungover. And we just went up to them and went, right, tell us a joke. And if it's a good one, you'll win a prize. And these prizes were things that we found on the floor, like feather boas or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made life a lot easier. And, and it kind of, you know, in fact, people liked that. They sort of go, yeah. oh, the staff are having a good time. I don't know. It was, mm. it was good. It can be quite unappealing. Oh, you're going to work during Glastonbury. But to enjoy the high times, you need to relax yeah. at some point. Yeah. And the alternative is, you know, sleeping, <laughs> sitting at your campsite for four or five hours, head in your hands, hungover. But to have those you know, less frantic moments when you're not drinking for a few hours yeah. where you're drinking lots of water, but you're still active, still part of this working... People watching. Yeah, people watching this mechanical thing that is Glastonbury. Then when you finish your shift, you have such a high, you'll run to the stage that you want to get to next and you'll finish five cans that you've got in your bag. <laughs> and you're, you know, try and match everyone else as quickly as possible. And the highs are so much higher because you've just had yeah. that important moment of downtime mm. when, which is your shift and you can have those important moments to make sure the highs are as as blissful as they can be. Yeah, I I suppose that's the thing to sort of emphasise that. I mean, because I know a lot of people say, or sort of how much work do you do Mm. at the festival? And I suppose that is the thing to sort of note for anyone who is applying. It is hard work and there is, and there's no, and even though obviously we tell the the stories, um, especially when I said I would never apply for tickets again Mm. because I enjoy my time at Oxfam so much, you have to be prepared to work Yes, because, and you can't, I mean, you know, you can say, oh yeah, I'm going to turn up and slack it off and all of that. It's not slacking it off at all. You really do have to turn up sometimes be there overnight i mean what sort of like 99 percent of the volunteers who are on the gates will do a night shift yeah so even though it is loads of fun and especially on the wednesday and the thursday when people are turning up for the first time there is no other feeling like seeing people so excited to yeah. be at the best festival in the world type thing uh, but it is sometimes really hard work and you do have some sort of difficult situations and things that you don't experience if you're a ticket holder but it is totally worth it I think my like worst shift you were saying, my worst shift was when I was stuck up a fire tower for my overnight shift at Beautiful Days. And Beautiful Days is a very chill festival. There's not really much that happens overnight, so there wasn't really much to look out for. Nobody was having... And, and the person I was stu- I was uh, paired with was just very quiet and not really... You know, I kept trying to have a conversation with him and he just wasn't having any of it. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it is work. You do have to make sure you're putting the hours in as well. So, Sean, we've heard about Oxfam. Mm-hmm. Tell me about recycling. So what are your shifts like? How many just do? You know, what, what's, what's, the, what's the deal with that? Well, in, generally, in general, for recycling, uh, there's usually a variety of roles you can choose from, but they mostly fall into uh, three distinct main roles. Uh, number one is uh, being on the tractor, where you're on the tractor throughout the day, going around collecting all the bins and all the... Uh, bags and have been wrapped up all day. Um, I've never done that because my five foot seven frame wouldn't be as supportive on that. The other ones which I've both given a go at are being on the field, picking up the litter either in the morning or in the afternoon or being in the recycling centre. I started off in the recycling centre. It's like this little warehouse in the corner of that bridal way just up the top and it's where all the rubbish has been collected throughout the day is being brought in and uh, there are people there who will just take the bags, rip them apart and then 
all of yesterday or the mornings uh, just rubbish just falls out and then you sort of have to play a little game essentially saying you've got 10 seconds to quickly assign which material goes in which uh, mm. bin essentially so you've got right, right. compost green you've got can yellow you've got plastic <laughs> this and maybe you've got a bit of glass you, you have a bit of fun because you walk around the corner and get to smash it Oh, nice. That's always a bit of fun. So it's just constant doing that. But um, the hours are incredibly. Uh, they're they're okay hours because you get to you usually start at like half six and you finish around twelve. So you it's only around the corner where you go. So it's not much of a walk. It's I think it's more or less the fact that you're just standing in one place like for that football like that for that six hours just going left. Uh, uh, yeah. You kind of have to be a bit brain dead. But it goes back to like uh, what uh, you said, Connor. You just get a bit of a kind of debrief over everything you can't just calm down and you just get play this if you make a game of it it goes a bit goes a bit fast yeah <laughs> sounds like someone will make an app top score so yeah you do that um, usually I'm the one who if, if, I, what I do it's really smart actually so because um, there's, there's, a, there's <laughs> I do say so myself <laughs> yeah, there's a technique I've found to save myself the effort because I am always on very low effort mm. and um, there's like say six conveyor belts and they all lead into one big conveyor belt and this big conveyor belt takes all the rubbish that doesn't have an assigned bin so it just mm. goes like somewhere else so what you do is you go to the corner closest to the main conveyor belt because then you get everyone else going quickly left, right, left, right, and then it gets less and less each person to get to. I see. So it gets to a point where you don't even have to really. So it's already act. been filtered. You're just like the last person. Oh yeah, so. once every thirty seconds, all I do is just brush my hands, and like a plastic cup might go in the right one. Nice. <laughs> well, everyone else is doing the main work, but you know you always look as f. So that's the one you always got to rush to. And uh, you've actually sent us a little clip, haven't you, Sean? You recorded. So you do your own podcast called Beyond the Pyramid, which of course we've checked out, and you recorded a bit from the recycling team this year, is that right? Do you want to tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so basically um, over the past couple of years I've been recording at the actual festival because as a radio producer I really enjoy making documentaries and it's obviously one of my favourite places in the world so I, I went out and ventured and just talked to people who've bring the festival to life so I've chatted to like Billy Bragg backstage at Leftfield and also like some other people organisers like at the Theatre and Circus Tent and uh, I've got some more episodes coming out and one place I recorded was at the Recycling Centre because as someone who's been in the midst of uh, the Recycling Factory as we know it I wanted to kind of give people a natural insight of how everything sort of works mm-hmm. how we organise every bit of recycling goes to its correct place because that's one thing the Glassby are very proud of and uh, I spoke to one of the leaders at the Recycling Centre Fraser to find out how the centre actually operates Cool, so let's hear that now We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bins with um, different products different products this for example is cans That's cans um, and we've got some spare bins over there so we've got a few volunteers between each um, uh, area mm-hmm. who then are watching out for contamination and also for moving the moving the bins that's cool we got cans air plastic compost all the way for the appropriate recycling yeah. uh, they then get moved down to the area there and in that area there we've got some other volunteers under supervision who are putting them in the correct uh, bin lorry um, then we're, we're then taken off to be tipped at the, 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 the local recycling centre now, Fraser, a final question. How long until all the recycling work is finished? At um, this, this yard here itself finishes. Um, I, um, we shut the volunteers down on Thursday. And after Thursday, we are cleaning, and, 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 uh, cleaning this yard um, 
taking all the machines out, getting rid of all the the, 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 the rubbish. Um, I don't know. It depends um, on our, our availability of lorries, but I imagine that I'm going to finish this recycling uh, that's brought into us in the yard by Thursday. Anything left that's come into us in green or blue bags will be sent to a mixed recycling centre and then sorted somewhere else. Sounds pretty loud in there. Yeah, it's actually more louder than at the front of the pyramid stage sometimes. It's a different stage no one else gets to see. Oh, amazing. It's crazy. But I mean, like, it's, it's impressive to hear, you know, all the different, you know, you think, well, I know in my own house, it's like, is this recyclable? And it goes in either glass, plastic or paper. Whereas it sounds like you guys go into really... Oh, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Goes through like you... six tiers to get to the correct place. They make sure everything down from the biggest bottle to the tiniest can, even to the little gas canisters, everything goes to its assorted place to be recycled. Amazing. And uh, it's good because you could find some rarities there. Like um, I found some fivers covered in chili con carne that you mm. wash immediately. Or like a laptop with nails through it. It's like some bizarre All stuff. All right. That's how I think it's coming from the South East Corner. That's you going. And if you found a bouncy ball, it's fun because you get to throw it around like on the conveyor belt. Have <laughs> some fun with your team members. Brilliant. Um, so that's good. And uh, the one I've done probably more is the on the field. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the one that most people... See. W- would yeah, see, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's it's an incredibly rewarding one because you know we get up in the morning the same time as the early the same time as the returning home ravers. Me and you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, would you pick? Look at the girl. Like, yeah, it's brilliant because you're all out of your faces and everyone's you're applauding us. Yeah. You're just like yeah, well yeah, done, well done, yeah. and it's brilliant. So that's always fun because you get up in the morning, you go to your assigned area, usually. Uh, it could be like the pyramid stage. It could be like the circus field. And you just uh, go around. Always take a litter picker because mm-hmm. they don't assign you a litter picker. But if you take a litter picker, it saves you a lot of strain on your back. Yeah. And you get a mixture of bags, uh, let's say like a plastic, compost, and you just put your assigned uh, materials in each one. So then when it goes to the centre, they're able to throw it around yeah. a bit easier. And uh, usually it's quite okay because if you if you clean the area pretty quickly, let's say, because uh, you should be six hours, but if you do it all within four hours and there's nothing much to do, sometimes they just let you yeah. ro- let you ro- let you roam free, man. Uh, they just sign you off, and you get your two meal vouchers, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's a nice Is it every de- day. It's every day. You yeah. get four days, mm-hmm. and. Um, the good thing about the being a recycler is you get the options to choose your hours. Right. Now, depending on the lifestyle that you want to live at Glastonbury, you can choose either the afternoon ones, if you want to go around block nine, yeah. or if you want to see more of the main acts, you could do the morning ones, and right. like half five in the morning, like if you're a parent, you've got to go at that time. Mm-hmm. So usually we go for those ones, which are really starting to take their toll. Yeah. It's like, it's terrible if it's rainy. You could find some fivers and some other substances you give to like the, your team member and all actually like that. <laughs> I was going to ask you what is the best thing what's the best thing you found on the floor best thing you found on the floor, the floor again I think you'd have to cut that out oh if you want to go for, if you if you want to go for money which you're yeah. going to find funny always go around the stalls the food ah. stalls because you've got to remember there are people there who are getting their <laughs> You know, their, their money out, their wallet, and obviously there's a lot of things falling, so obviously you'd be digging for pound coins. Mm. You know, my friend found like a couple of 50s. If we find a wallet, we always return it, though, because we always no, no, want like, the ID, so yeah. it's always always good to know, like, oh, we were able to give it back to some people. Mm. But, um, yeah, you've got to be a bit careful, though, because around those corners, sometimes you find, like, feces or something, random oh. main stage. I'm nice. just thinking, 
imagine the situation that person was in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to do that. Can't do um, that. <laughs> but it's a bit satisfying watching your performance and then just dropping like your can on the floor going, it's okay, I'll pick it up in the morning. <laughs> Which I have, yeah. <laughs> and um, no, it, it seems fine. You always need a good team leader though. Right. Because if you don't have a big team leader, you know, everyone's a bit miserable. They're all getting up really bloody early. Mm. They've got to pick up like a sea full of litter and basically you just need someone who, if the team leader's like encouraging you, picking up as a way, that like assigns everyone sort of role, like, okay, we'll all line up here, we'll all make our way up yeah. to like save time. Then you kind of feel like, you know, you respect me and I'm going to do my best to do this for you. And um, usually it's, um, you finish around 12 and then uh, one of the pros as well, you get to go into a hot shower. Yeah. Indoors, yeah, and wash the, wash the filth away and go back to the rest of your day. Where is Tomsfield? Tom's... I, loads of people talk about Tomsfield, and I, I know it's near like West Holtz, isn't it? Around that area. No, no, it's is not. It not? Oh, well, you yeah. are completely I'm wrong. so wrong. <laughs> this is what's brilliant yeah. about us. When we, go for, when we go for a night out, we're always able to find our way back because of the beacon, which is Worthy FM. We oh, are just behind Worthy FM. So you're up near Mitzvah, I camp in Big Brown, so you're... We yeah, must, yeah, must be by there, yeah. Are you, are you near Evis's actual... Uh... Yes, yeah, yeah. So yeah. We're on, we always, I always camp, you know, the peace tent, you know, the, um, the uh, lock-up, property lock-up that's got a peace sign on the yeah. top. So we always camp there, so you're at the top of there. Yeah, so we just keep that's going beyond there. That's where Tom's there. Field is, okay. And we go, beyond, go a bit up, and um, I think it's next to Evis's house, whatever, because we're literally behind the cow shed where we yeah. camp, which is good, because they literally wake us up at half four... Fun. And um, yeah, Tomsfield is quite nice. It's more, it's, it's secure. Uh, you get like in, you know, indoor showers, you know, actual charges for your phone, mm-hmm. a washing machine. So someone dare thought they oh, need really? to wash anything. Yeah, wow, you, know, okay. you go there, they're filthy, <laughs> not to clean that stuff up. Those quality of life improvements from being a volunteer are like so important. Oh, really? The shower. Yeah. Just washing off the session from the night before. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in these hot years. Yeah. yeah. That we've yeah, just yeah. had 2017 and, and 2019. Well, very hot, and to be able to go to the shower and start again, no cues really. Amazing. And this yeah. is what this is what I keep telling my girlfriend. So she, oh, she really says, but she, she's. <laughs> so my girlfriend's a little bit unsure about whether to, you know, oh, do do I go for volunteering because mm. I'm worried about the uh, the fact that I can't see everyone that I want to, mm. or it, there will be shifts where you there is a band that you desperately want to see. You can swap your shifts, you can swap, because yeah. you have to swap all three, but sometimes it's really difficult if you've got a particular shift pattern that no Nobody one wants. wants. Yeah. I've tried to swap my shifts a couple of times and there's just no way if you end up on a shift pattern that people don't want. I was ready to sell my soul to see the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. I mean, you, yeah, people get really passionate about it. But the the thing is, is that you sort of completely forget about that when you have a shower. Yeah, it's, really, it's really strange. You know, you, you you go down to the main public showers and you see people queuing sometimes for three hours. I yeah. mean, that's not an exaggeration. People literally do queue for about three hours. Yeah. And I mean, if you get up early enough, or sort of the earliest I had to get up was I think half past seven. Mm-hmm. And I not once this year did I have to queue for a shower. And you just think, how great is that? That you uh, you know that just because you're volunteering just because you do a shift you can have a shower and you get food tokens and so yeah you do completely forget that so there's one caveat though isn't it Oxfam give you shower tokens now don't they how many is it you get four tokens yeah you get four for five days but But I've found a secret I know that where there's more staff showers like I feel like a veteran yeah Ah. and, and I've just figured it out and there's one on the way into the site that 
And me and my girlfriend, if there's ever a queue or anything in the Oxfield, we go straight to these... Sp- yeah, I like it. Wait, you yeah. have to have tokens for the shower. Yeah, so, so essentially... Uh, it's so somebody doesn't have two showers a day. Well, yeah, it's just... Yeah. It's because um, I think the festival are quite on it in terms of who is using the most water oh, and okay. because obviously water aid yeah, yeah, and yeah, of all of the uh, all of the charities that the festival supports you have to absolutely be mindful about you can't be the organization that completely uses up all the water on the site because ah. of course there's the big water shortage that didn't yeah, really exist yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of the media will say oh yeah it's a drought but didn't really happen but anyway um you can't be the organization that was that caused the water shortage mm. because all of your volunteers are having five showers a day yeah and so when i first started volunteering you could have as many showers as you wanted to but then they introduced shower tokens and the only really thing that you know the only thing that that's really caused is people swapping food tokens for shower tokens and if <laughs> It gets quite oh, funny. So you want that in your yeah. currency yeah. inside Yeah, because you get some... What human rights will you sell for another? That's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, bathing or food. You get some people that get really sort of precious about it. And when they turn up and you give them f- four tokens, they say, how, how am I going to survive? I was told that there would be showers every day. And then they say, oh, you know, can I have one of your shower tokens for food tokens? like... Yes, yeah, if I can get a meal instead yeah. of a shower, yeah, like, especially because Connor's going to show me where the secret showers are. Well, that's it, yeah, yeah. Now. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one thing this year. We, we talk about showers quite a lot, don't we? Yeah. But that's the one thing this year that I was just uh, desperate for a shower. We we did have them, we, we had camp showers, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. my mate. We, you know, got in a swimming cosy and your mate kind of holds up a, a tub of water for you. And that was fine, like, but I, I was by the end of it going, I just want a proper shower. We had that one sweaty day this year at Glastonbury as well. One sweaty we? day? Five <laughs> days. Oh, the, the real, the, the real, uh, real Oh, the Saturday was, oh yeah, the yeah. Saturday was melting. When, when I volunteered in 2014, I, yeah, I had access to the hot showers and there wasn't the need for tokens. But I only had one shower. <laughs> yeah, you're in it. Yeah, you just and I think all you had to say, like, to, to feel this experience, yeah. <laughs> this but unique experience, I guess. 2014 was muddy anyway, wasn't it? So yeah, it was like, well, shower, I'm going to get dirty of, again yeah. in a minute. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a proper, like, Glastonbury morning routine. Ah. So, like, we get up, we eat the breakfast from the canteen in the Oxfield, then we'll go and shower wash off last night's session mm-hmm. you know, then we'll crack our first can and we'll head into site um, and you know being a volunteer is the only way you can have that guarantee that you're going to be able to get food get a shower and all, in like mm-hmm. that small space of time before the acts begin at half eleven and you want to be into to the site yeah very jealous about that mm. well, I think uh, Jamie mentioned this but it's a question I see ask often is uh, can, can you swap shifts mm. uh, because everyone oh I'm going to miss some headliners or some acts I want to see and you say that you need to swap your whole yeah so it it depends obviously for the listeners who have also done other festivals before Uh, other festivals you can just swap one shift but um, for Glastonbury you have to swap all three so everyone's on certain shift patterns it goes from A I think to E Mm -hmm. and each of those so if you're A it means that you'll be on the early shifts which we haven't even covered yet early shifts the mystical Uh, magical early shifts yeah (laughs) Um, uh, but then if you're on E you sort of you're typically going to be doing the Monday morning, sort of Sunday night type thing. 
And it's the later letters that people don't really want to do because yeah. if you're on the earlier letters, you end up sort of finishing by sort of the Saturday at the very latest and you can enjoy your Sunday, have a leisurely trip off site. Mm. Whereas if you're on sort of the ED type shifts, you will end up sort of working the full duration mm-hmm. um, and not finish until the Sunday. And those are the sort of the ones that are really tricky to swap. So yeah. uh, yes, you can swap yeah. your shifts, but more often than not, don't, it's don't quite yeah. difficult to, yeah. I think the same way we, we said that when you're doing your shift, you need to find ways to make it fun or interesting. And I think when you get into the volunteering, you need to go with this mindset that just take what you're given and make the most of it. Yeah, isn't you it? might so miss that one person. Don't go person. thinking I'm going to miss out on the festival and enjoy actually the perks and the advantages of being part of it. The mm. thing with Glastonbury is you're missing something always anyway. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Even oh, yeah. if you're at the headline, you're missing yeah. another 15 headliners yeah. that you wanted to see. So if you've got that, like, it's, it's quite hard to wire yourself to have that mindset, but you yeah. just need to, you're always missing something, yeah. whether you're on a shift or not. So just... You enjoy the moment you can enjoy. Other yeah. than the uh, other than the shower feeling, nothing beats the feeling of getting your deposit back mm. once you've completed all of your shifts and yeah, also have a satisfied that you've done everything and handed back your tabard and everything, and then it's sort of I don't know six weeks later and you get your ticket back. You yeah. get the, the sorry the ticket price back, yep. which is what the deposit costs. You often forget about it as well. Right? It sounds like you do, yeah. Unless you're absolutely desperate for money at that point. Yeah. Two hundred and sixty pounds just lands back That's in right, your account. Right, and you're like, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Cool. So let's um, talk about. So I know I have a lot of fun stories from my time at volunteering. So do you have like? Do you guys have your favourite on shift story? Do you have a favourite moment that you like to talk about? Any celebs you met or anything like that? Let's go with you, Connor. Start yeah, there. I was quite lucky. Um, the first three years had the same uh, alphabet shift pattern and the same gate. I think they kept it the same if you returned. And I was on hospitality. Oh, nice. And the list is as long as my, as my arm of people I've met, you know. But one chap came through with a horse, rubber horse mask on his head. Um, I had to check his ticket. It said Michael Fassbender. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, sir, do you mind removing the mask? And it was indeed Michael Fassbender. <laughs> and he was wasted. <laughs> and he said, which way is Skrillex? He's <laughs> on the other stage, which is definitely... So Michael Fassbender was running around Glastonbury 2016 with a horse mask on. Nice. Good, like yeah. God, what's, working hospitality gate, that is jammy. Yeah. If I got, if yeah. I got to like, volunteer and I saw that hospitality gate, hospitality gate, I'd be like, <laughs> yes. Had to turn Sophie Ellis-Bexter away. She had no ticket. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Sophie. Not <laughs> You're not performing this year as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> How about you, Alex? What was your favourite? Um, I, I think it's always fun when you when you're on a shift that involves celebrities or acts and stuff like that. It just makes it go a lot faster. I was, I think it was 2017. I was on a vehicle gate where um, I think the Foo Fighters came through, Jeremy Corbyn, um, <laughs> Nick Grimshaw, a couple of other people. You know, no one big. <laughs> 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 Did they, they have, like the windows no. down so you can see who it was, or um, was it just like that's the Foo Fighters car? Uh, the Foo Fighters was uh, it was their tour bus that was completely blacked out. So, but we were told that they had the Foo Fighters in there. Like right. you know, um, Jeremy Corbyn had his window down, so we saw him. Yeah, and and uh, the people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of my favourite bands called Parcels. They came along in their big party bus, blasting Katy Perry, and yeah. they were absolutely yeah. smashed, not driving obviously but <laughs> um 
and and they were in such high spirits they were like come on like get off your shift come and come and party with us and i was like i wish <laughs> i could but no but no. Oh, it's a special moment like yeah. meeting people and yeah brilliant how about you Joe? um I, I don't think it's my favorite time but probably the most exciting and story worthy was first year um or it might not have even been the first year but one of the years when rolling stones came through my gate uh, i was on the vehicle gate and uh, everyone was saying oh no you don't get to see the rolling stones but we were probably much closer than most people mm-hmm. were uh, in that yeah the rolling stones sort of convoy came through and you expect when a band finished they sort of just get in their tour bus and leave. But the absolute sort of entourage that they had with them was absolutely crazy (laughs) in that they had 10 quad bikes came through to clear the way to start with just to make sure that the road was completely clear so that they could make a swift exit. They were still on stage and before the music had even finished, they were long gone off site, complete like police were following them, police on, you know, police in helicopters, everything. It was (laughs) it was that crazy. Um, And then the actual uh, full on tour of everyone going through they had about 12 coaches i don't know if they had one person per coach but <laughs> honestly it felt like that so yeah that was probably the most exciting in that we just as the shift had a bit of a lull we were thinking oh people are going to start getting back to their tents now that's sort of the end of it all of this huge thing came through and i mean the amount of vehicles that they had it took about 20 minutes for them to actually leave so yeah it was quite exciting Awesome, love that. How about you, Sean? See, how do I follow that up? No, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, I'm picking up Matthew's on As much as I would love to say there's some celebrities passing West Holtz at 6am while I'm picking up Thatcher's cans, I think the, because you do just turn yourself off, really, I think the main best memories I have is every Thursday we have a recycler's party Right. And Mike Levis is always in attendance right. and he gives a big speech saying how much he appreciates what we do and how happy he is to see us all there. And it's just when you see something like he doesn't have to do it and he's just thanking everyone for their time and effort and it just makes everything that little bit more worth it. So there's no That's real... Oh, so it is about a celebrity then? Pardon? Well, it is. The story, it is about a celebrity. Hey, yeah. he's, he says he's a farmer first. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, of course. <laughs> but, um, uh, no, there's not really much I could really add to that, really. Um, I think it's more like, if we were going to like combine everything we've done from this volunteering, I think the main pro we can all take from it is a sense of community you feel with all your fellow volunteers and... The fact they're like Facebook groups and like it continues outside. Like, you know, you, Jesse, you went to someone's wedding. I mean, I message these people on their birthdays when we lose their parents. So I think the main takeaway for me and hopefully for all of us is just that sense of community and friendship you get, which most other people can't if they just get a ticket. I think that's honestly, you know, I've said I'm jealous a few times, but this is something that I... Glastonbury is something that I love so much and has become such an integral part of my life. I almost feel guilty that I haven't been a part of making it happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. When you when I was volunteering for other festivals, you almost feel like, yeah, even though I'm at like a tiny, tiny grain of sand in this whole massive thing, I am still a part of putting this on. You know, all these people are here and having a great time in a tiny, tiny part due to me. So I think that's the one thing that I do feel... Oh, I do feel guilty about it. I'm like, I feel like I should give back in a way, like I should work there and then give back and then I'd feel even more 
entwined with it as an entity, I don't know, but that's do why it's my guilt. You have to do, do it. it, I have to yeah. do it one year. Every year I just feel too guilty of my mates being like, well, I'm not going to volunteer, so I'd be the only one. But as we said on the last podcast, I'm like, screw my mates now. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, <laughs> let me, oh, we need to do it just to get into sight two days before that is, mm. everyone yeah, else. Because that, yeah, yeah. that is magical. Yeah, yes. Walking around and the pyramid field is like, Luscious green, yeah. beautiful, yeah. <laughs> playing frisbee, the staff parties. The karaoke outside the tacos. Exactly. It's just the, the random stuff you don't get everywhere else. Oh, yeah. And everyone's so excited on those first two days. Uh-huh. You know, they're not at work. They're all come to work at Glastonbury. And some of the best parties I've had are on the, the Monday, Tuesday. All the thousands of... Yeah, so it was quite, quite, funny, quite a funny story. Um, so there was a, a WhatsApp group for the volunteers mm, oh and someone organized a monday bar crawl that was a lady called katie it I was know her. oh there we go yeah, All right. yeah it started it started a couple of years ago uh i think two years ago uh first year it happened apparently there were only about 20 people on it second year there were about 30 people this year however literally hundreds i'd say about 300 people turned up there's still the picture of everyone in front of the pyramid stage for when it actually happened Mm. but it was just so funny that everyone sort of sort of started gathering at, at this meeting place and then about five minutes later it got bigger and then bigger, and then you could barely move for people that were going yeah. down. And everyone was sort of going, "Who's Katie? Who's, <laughs> who's organising this?" And then there was a, a thread that went through about, "Okay, we'll turn up with blow up animals." And uh, the person who was in a tent next to me uh, had brought loads of blow up animals. And because I'm sort of much taller, I'm six foot three. She said, "Yeah." She said Do it to me, "Oh, can you just hold this up in the air?" And then everyone thought that I was organising it. And so, <laughs> so when are we going? I said, "Well, I." I haven't organised this, so yeah, it was. Uh, I've seen the photo of you guys all like staking down downhill. from the top from yeah, yeah. yeah through big round. It was like a group of ants, yeah, because I got there early because we'd met, we'd come, f- we were in sight and met. It was just by the tree at um, the pyramid stage, wasn't it? And you just saw the group mm, coming yeah. down the hill. And that's where I camp, so that's why she texted me that. She was like, "Look at everybody walking through your camping field." Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. Like, yeah. how, how many bars are open? then how many staff bars are there that's a question I'd like to know actually five I think because it was one of the things that we definitely had to do was split up by the time yeah you couldn't have 300 people all going into one bar that's (laughs) staffed with about two people being it before before (laughs) the opening day I think people found about five but it's not that well publicised because of course you can't have posters up everywhere because by the time that it opens they are slightly secret bars because they're meant to be for crew only Uh, but there's some really lovely ones I mean my favourite is the one by Arcadia the Toe and Hitch it was absolutely lovely they've got an open fire it was absolutely rammed but they've got a viewing platform and if you go on the day before opening they're testing all of the fire so the the, yeah and that was really good because you sort of really felt a sense of excitement that the whole ground was just filled with excitement it was really good I don't know if it's really the case but I heard that well, when the festival fully opens, they have to become a bit more strict on the staff bars. But if you've been there in the early days, can you get some sort of wristband? Is that true? Yeah, I think it about? depends. So yeah. there's there's one by West Holtz that they were really strict about it. That Messios, no, that's yeah, that is Messios, oh, yeah. yeah. And if you uh, if you can get a wristband, but then you had to have a wristband 
and a crew wristband mm. and so they were sort of yeah so I, I think it depends bar by bar how many know. shower tokens from that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> to get one of those wristbands yeah. well, I might be biased but like the community of volunteers are like so strong and everyone's got the kind of similar mindset so when you were there on the, the first few days everyone else is a volunteer or working and they're just a great person you don't meet any trouble or like it's just a fun filled loving community that are mm. there on those first few days I've got some pictures of my friends who volunteer for the first time this year, hung over, passed out, outside the tent, and it's Tuesday. The festival <laughs> opens Wednesday, and like, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> That's a really good point, actually. I, uh, I said this year. Now, I don't tend to drink very much at Glastonbury because I just feel like it's far more important to me to actually make the most of it. And I'm happy to do sort of like a 16 hour day of trying to see as much as I can and yeah. do my shift without getting too tired. So I don't really drink. But then because I was there on the Monday night, I think by quite a long way, the most I drank was on the Monday before, yes. <laughs> before Glastonbury yeah, started. Day, That's it. My shift didn't start until Thursday. Yeah. And so, yeah. Brilliant. And another thing about being there early, I can't believe how last minute a lot of it is. You're like, how is the ribbon tower not up yet? <laughs> yeah. like, they're still building the pier? It's yeah. four hours. Yeah. <laughs> on social media, when you see it gets to April and the site build begins, and you yeah. think, God, it's a bit early, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. you expect to turn up yeah. and everything be complete. And the scaffolding is still up on the pyramid stage, and mm. most of the lighting isn't in place on the pyramid stage. Ribbon tower, like you say, yeah. is not up yet. Yeah, it's quite surprising. Amazing. One thing I make a point to do every year in the first two days is like you haven't been to the, the Glastonbury sign yeah okay. it's a great time to do that there's no yeah. one really around it you get the best Instagram photo hey. of an empty <laughs> Glastonbury sign and a green field that hasn't been trodden mm. everybody brings it up on I swear every podcast you bring it up on it like, yeah. are you going to go to the Glastonbury sign <laughs> if you've not been at all You've never no, been to the glass. Wow! I know. I know what. I, it's because I get to the I get to the ribbon tower. And I get to the bottom of the field, and I see how many people. If there weren't any people, oh, it's there, crazy. But I see how many people are up there, and how steep that is. But what about go, what about yeah. for the fireworks on Wednesday? Oh yeah, we go to the stone circle for that. So we go because they, because they're all along that um, yeah, valley, aren't yeah. they? So we we go to the stone circle to see the fireworks. But I've just never been up. I've been obviously in the area, but I've never gone all the way up to where the sign is. Yeah, you should try a lip picking around there. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's quite well. steep, right? Yeah, it's super your bag for your bag starts tumbling down. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, no. when it, in muddy years, people trying to get up to the sign is is quite a trick. Yeah. They're just slipping back down. Twenty fourteen, yeah, <laughs> muddy mudslide. Brilliant. But yes, I will get up there next year. I've like, known that before. <laughs> just like you will volunteer. Yeah, yeah. just like I will, but no, I, okay, well, I'm not volunteering next year because I have um, some exciting things going on. But the year after, I think that's going to be my first one. Wow. You heard it here. During the following. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, no, actually, that's Flaxing. So as you guys know, we love to ask you guys on Twitter if you have any questions or we love to put polls out for you. We just really like chatting to you on social really. We, we sent out a question basically saying does anybody have any questions for our lovely volunteers. So what we've done is we've, we've actually sent those questions on to the volunteers and they've recorded little clips for us. So let's start with Papaphone asked, which artist were you most bugged out about that you had to work through? But he also put... P.S. Appreciate all the hard work that you do, which oh, is nice. Thanks. Um, but yeah. This was a Saturday daytime shift. 
These finish 20 minutes or so before the headliners start. So you get to run to the headliners and enjoy those and then have Saturday night getting lost in the madness that is Glastonbury. It's also my last shift of the festival, so get to enjoy Sunday completely free. No one on this lineup that was really, really bugged about missing on Saturday daytime. That was until a helicopter went overhead and the Libertines were on that helicopter. I'm a big fan of the Libertines, but more so secret sets at Glastonbury. They're incredible. The rumours, the mystery, the excitement, the energy that a secret set brings is really like, undescribable unless you've been to one. I was lucky to be at the Killers in 2017 when they played the John Pill stage. I was actually working through the Killers last year, their headline slot, but I can't imagine it matched the energy, the craziness of, of seeing them in that small tent, unannounced. You know, it was unreal. So really gutted to be missing the Libertines that year. Foo Fighters pulled out. Dave Grohl broke his leg. Florence stepped up and we got to see Florence finish my shift. She was incredible. But the Libertines came in and filled in Florence's slot and I, and I missed that. I actually watched it from Pedgate A, streamed it live from my iPhone on the BBC iPlayer and you could tell there was a certain energy and yeah, that was the one I was most bugged about missing. We had the Glasto thingy tweet us saying, a friend was telling me of working on the recycling line sitting next to a girl who was horrendously hungover. She did her shift with a bucket next to her so that she could throw up every now and again without having to leave her station. So his question is, how do you cope with the hangovers? Coping with hangovers at uh, Glastonbury during a shift at a recycling centre is something of a long memory to me because I've been teetotal for about four years. But when I did used to drink when I was a teenager doing uh, the recycling centre, I remember the hangovers were never really that prominent because you got to do like a body time and calculate, right, how many hours am I going to be asleep for it all to sink into how many hours will I be up then? Because you mostly get around three to four, probably if you're lucky hours sleep before you get up to pick to do do your shift it doesn't really sink in so you're sort of in that sort of limbo of still mildly wobbling around everywhere and tiredness takes into effect so you don't feel the full headache of everything uh, that being said i have seen people who are absolutely rat-faced uh during the some shifts at a recycling center and they, they are literally quite like uh, the walking uh, walking dead they don't pick up as much you can just tell the ones when sunglasses when the sun hasn't really come up yet but my advice would essentially be uh, either go easy or don't sleep too much and final question we had from joe robinson who said is it difficult not to just run away and watch your favorite band yeah so this is the most commonly asked question i reckon from people who speak to me who are interested in volunteering for the first time the short answer is no it's totally not um and also it's it's very much frowned upon um we all work as a massive team and that was certainly the first thing I noticed when I volunteered for the first time is just how much of a team effort it is. You know, you're all volunteers, you're all there for the same reason, uh, you know, one reason or another, whether it's to raise money or whether it's just to enter whichever festival you're doing. And you all have a supervisor who sort of watches to make sure that everything's okay, who you can refer to. And if you ran off to watch your favourite band, that would certainly be noticed. 
list and if that does happen then your supervisor will radio through to sort of the main control center and you will be asked to leave the site some people say that's not true but i've personally witnessed it firsthand and it's just not something that you want to do it's seen as such a bad move um, not only that uh, if you are in an appropriate location to do so every volunteer gets a break so you can speak to your supervisor they will do whatever they can to ensure that during that break you can sort of go and see a bit of the band obviously if it's a mega set and it's one of the headliners then obviously you won't be able to see the whole thing but if you are in an area where someone's playing on a little stage and um, and they don't have a very long set then you might be able to catch all of them so the short answer is no don't do it long answer is you may still be able to see your favorite band even if you are working and you are on shift so we've talked a lot about volunteering obviously that's what this episode is focused about but we obviously love talking about why glastonbury is particularly amazing and what um gives us that magic feeling we've mentioned why, why that we a few come times. back every year why we come back every year why so we let's... center our whole life around it yeah why we spend <laughs> the entire year talking about thinking about glastonbury yeah um let's ask you guys uh do you have a favorite glastonbury memory this is not from your volunteering shifts necessarily but was there what, like one band or artist or something else you did that you just always hold on to and go oh yes i love that moment should we start with let's go with alex this time i i hate to say it because it is quite mainstream but I think uh, Coldplay in 2016 was probably my highlight because it was the year that they had they they released um, A Head Full of Dreams and they had the rainbow wristbands and it was just absolutely magic I was so emotional crying my eyes out and um, because it was just one of those moments in life that especially if you live and work in London where it's like a hustle and bustle and just when you've got a big community of everybody singing along in high spirits mm. and everyone was in such a good mood and it was just with the colors as well it was just magical it was such a nice crowd to be a part of so I always think of that I am a huge Coldplay non-fan <laughs> no, I, I once said I hate Coldplay and I was told that that's too strong um, but yes. I did watch a bit of it back and I did it, the one uh, I think I've mentioned this before but as much as I dislike Coldplay, I think looking at the BBC footage of it, it would have been amazing to be in the field at that time. I mean, the pyramid field has always gives you that feeling of like, God, there's just so I mean, many people and it's a big community. The but killers were your highlight. Is yeah, it? the killers, yeah. And I wasn't <laughs> even thinking that was going to, I just thought, yeah, I'll go along and see the killers, but they're amazing. But I think uh, like Coldplay, you know, I've seen the footage of the, and I actually had one of the wristbands, but I was yeah. on another stage and it was still going on. So it, was great. it went on for hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Until the next morning, really. Yeah. Imagine if you're home now and then start flashing again and it's just a way to announce they're going to headline in 2020. That would be, <laughs> I mean, that would be super, not the headlining part, but that would be super cool. They were, they were my first pyramid headline in 2011. Okay. I've had an amazing time as well. So. Didn't Chris Martin say like a few days ago that they're not going to hit Yeah, him? yeah, apparently. I mean, he Chris always, Martin will still be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He does okay. that every yeah. time. But it, it was, I think whether you like Coldplay or not, it was just so Absolutely. beautiful. It was like so pretty. But that's the thing, I think I would have like, I was at Earth, Wind and Fire, I think. So I went for some disco at my salts, <laughs> which was just brilliant. So I didn't regret it in that, ref in that respect, but I did look at the footage afterwards and go, it looks like, you know, a beautiful spectacle on the field anyway. Yeah, I was at that and it was unreal. But the yeah. mud was like, you just also forgot that you were standing <laughs> knee high in mud. Yeah. Because you couldn't see that. You forgot where you were. You yeah. were so in the moment that, mm. yeah, it was really lovely. 
Cool, so how about you, Connor, then? What was your favourite um, customary moment? I mentioned it once already, but it was probably this year, the Sunday, and it was kind of like a climax of the five years I've done at Glastonbury, mm. all coming together. I brought friends who had never been to their first one, I had all my Oxfam stewarding friends, and there was 40, 50 of us watching Kylie Minogue and Miley Cyrus on the pyramid on the Sunday, not expecting to enjoy it as much as we did. Same. We had a mountain of backpacks mm-hmm. in the middle of like where we were all standing. We did this locomotion train. And um, <laughs> it was just that huge community of, wow, look at all these people that we've shared this experience with mm. coming together. Lots of introductions. These are my shift friends. These are my friends from home. These, these are people I met in 2015. And, and it all came together. Everyone was enjoying that moment together. And, you know, I sing in a band. They're called My Everest, if you want to check them out on on the socials, my Everest music, but a lot of those people come to watch my band when I play around London. And one dream, and it will happen one day, is that we step onto one of the hundreds of stages at Glastonbury, be that a tiny little stage, or one of the big ones. <laughs> and that it's an open invite to the Oxfam or the whole volunteering community to come watch our band, Tabards in the Air. Um, that moment will happen hopefully one day. So I know I've got that army of people, so... Let's get booked to that festival because I'll have a crowd. It'll be great. Oh, amazing, amazing. <laughs> like, book me because I'm bringing my own crowd. That's it. Totally yeah. <laughs> Michael, if you're listening. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, Kylie and Miley were one of my highlights as well. Again, wasn't expecting it. Really I good. mean, to show Glastonbury to a good friend of yours is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. I think. <laughs> you said that in the last episode. It's when your mate sort of looks at you and goes, I get it now. That's when you're like, yep, yeah, I love that. Uh, maybe maybe it's just amazing because they thought oh, they don't think I'm crazy anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that I get that. Yeah, yeah, I had that with my workmates uh, like this year. They were like, "God, you're always talking about Glastonbury," and then three of them went, and they were like, oh, I, okay, I understand." <laughs> they still think I'm crazy. Cool. Let's go over here, Sean. What was your favourite Glastonbury memory? Um, well, in terms of music, I'm probably going to go back to the main reason that I got into recycling, which was to actually see the Rolling Stones. And, you know, I, I do believe there is a big difference between the ages of being in your early 20s to being 18. And I just remember having got my way to the front. It was so good how I got to the front because it was so packed because, you know, they blocked an area off for camping. Yep let people in and no one was getting through them so I was like halfway behind that golden circle bit and I thought right this is me done I'm obviously stuck with the screens but then I saw two about 10 year old boys getting their way through mm-hmm. and they remember the, the, oh, the hand on the shoulder went mum's over there lads mum's <laughs> over there oh and it was like a steam train just went all the way through and then halfway through there was a middle aged man with his hand on my shoulder went mum's over there lads <laughs> and I just kept going I was like two people from the front and um, I just remember being, because um, obviously when you're, you're uh, that age of a teenager, you've got all this hyped up energy, you've got this adrenaline, and you've got a mindset which cannot be replicated when you get older, you experience more life lessons, but to just lose your mind to a band who are not cheap to see for an 18-year-old mm. uh, in an environment where you know it's the most watched event in the world, mm. and just having energy, and you just think, where did that energy go mm. as I've gotten older? I just realised I was able to have that perfect sort of teenage memory of losing it. I was at my first Glastonbury, which I went on my own. And I think the second favourite memory is probably another one is just all my friends of us all collectively, collectively uh, climbing onto the pyramid stage and just having, just sitting down, just having a little moment, like sinking it all in, essentially saying like, look, we've been coming for five years. We've become this, you're a doctor, you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. 
and just thinking this is the one thing that always keeps us coming back together mm-hmm. and just to kind of think you know like it is essentially a bonding thing essentially because yeah, yeah, you build yeah, your yeah. life around it's, it's that sometimes obviously people without wellies without coming out of a tent with nap with like baby wipes smothering their faces and mm-hmm. just kind of thinking you know like i've got a good go got a good group of friends around me nice was that after the festival that you that was after festival, yeah. yeah they would have definitely <laughs> have had like they would have definitely ddt'd us to the ground if they found out we were on there which is funny actually because when we climbed on there one of my friend's sister beth um she fell down and her, her back hit like a brick. And she was like really crying. She grabbed my hand and squeezed it so much. And my other friend went, I know it's emotional being up here. <laughs> and then we got up and then some guy came up to us after like 10 minutes and says, uh, uh, do you guys just mind uh, like getting off here? Cause like if you get hurt, there's a lot of paperwork. And, yeah. we've got to do it. and we're like, what? One of us get hurt? No way. <laughs> Never. Brilliant. Yeah, great, great stories there. How about you, Jamie? What was your favourite? Uh, you know what? This is the most anticlimactic answer. No, no. But I, I, I don't have a favourite moment. Right. No, I've been, I've been going since 2013, and uh, it, it has to be just the whole package. You know, there's when you try and describe Glastonbury you're never going to be able to you have to go and i know that everyone here you know including yourselves have said it you absolutely have to go and for me it's yeah i've been through different relationships i've been through different friendships and uh, i mean yeah certainly as you were just saying you you sort of reevaluate your life you sort of go oh there here i am (laughs) it's the end of june and look where i am it's 2019 you did this year i went to glastonbury on my own i volunteered on my own and i met up with a friend who is now my girlfriend and sort of glastonbury sort of cemented us type thing and there are certain traditions that you do like uh in the first day i go to the cider bus which Mm -hmm. is always there and then you have your favorite food stands and just the whole build-up of going oh yeah you know i'm gonna do all of those things which to someone who doesn't go you sort of go oh yeah you know the that green hog roast stand that i love oh wait no you don't go you have no idea what i'm talking about (laughs) but then Going to the Glastonbury sign, which Jesse you've never been to, yeah, which yeah, you must do. <laughs> but Jess, going up there, I mean, it's again talking about traditions. Going up on the very first day before anyone's got into the site, and then always making sure that I go up on the Sunday night as well, and just looking out and going, "Look at this! We've done five days yeah. as a volunteer. I've been here almost a week, and it's still the most magical place ever." Mm. Be it. I'm now covered in mud or I'm trying to get over heat stroke or I have a hangover, you know, no matter how you're feeling, even if you feel dreadful, you're still happy because you're at Glastonbury. Amazing. I like that answer. That's totally fine. Yeah. Although between ourselves, we've been chatting like rituals at Glastonbury, good or bad. Yeah, we've, so in our little WhatsApp, we've, obviously we mentioned this in the last episode and we talked about how we've done things that, like this year, we've kind of learned lessons and stuff. But you're right, I feel like I have too many traditions now. Yeah. It's always like, right, Wednesday I have to do this, Thursday I have to do this, and it's almost become a bit of a... Maybe I should. Which I think is bringing us back. Is bringing us at back the feeling that if we missed on one ritual, we start getting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Missing, yeah. Missing, missing out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. massive. It's a real thing, and uh, I know certainly that's that's the biggest thing with volunteering is yeah. when you uh, when you're on a shift, and then it's certainly sort of. I keep saying the word tradition, but it's a thing that I do. Mm, yeah. Is I try so hard, and it's the thing I always advise new volunteers to do. 
don't look at the lineup. Yeah. Look at who's playing. Yeah. Don't look at when they're playing mm. because if you turn up and no matter how grateful you are of being at Glastonbury, you turn up, look at your shifts, and you go, oh, Thursday afternoon, I really, there's this small band that I've been following for ages that I'm desperate to see. Mm. Or, oh, Sunday night, there's this one headliner that I've wanted to see all of my life. The chances are you will be working it. Yeah. And then you get a massive you know, fear of missing out because yeah. you think, oh no, my favourite band are playing at Glastonbury. And then you spend the whole first day, instead of taking in the atmosphere and walking around the site and being happy that you're there, you spend trying to swap your shift. And mm. it just it just puts a bit of a negative spin yeah. on it. Whereas, yeah, there's totally a thing. I think you're totally right about not looking at the lineups, though, because like I said earlier, I... I didn't really look at it that much this year and I took a completely different approach and just wanted to take it easy and look around and see everything that was on offer. And you just, I think the best moments are when you stumble across things unexpectedly and, yeah, or meet someone randomly or, you know, it's it, you never know what you're going to find. And I think the it's not good to exhaust yourself trying to plan every single minute of when you're going to be there because mm-hmm. you're just going to end up feeling knackered. I remember when we were on site and we were just sort of chatting and I just came back and looked at my phone and it stepped, the step count and it just said, you've just done 30,000 steps. And I texted Alex and she was like, yeah, I haven't left the camp yet. Just like, what, what are you doing? And you said afterwards, you were like, yeah, it's been my best year. Yeah, I've had a really nice relaxed time, walk around the site when I want to. And it's really interesting how everyone does their own Glastonbury. Yeah, it's a bit differently, yeah. It's funny, you, you know, you talk about FOMO there and, you know, Connor, you mentioned that even if you go to Glastonbury as a ticket holder, you're always going to miss out on something. And that is what I've, for years, told myself. I've gone, I could, I can't volunteer in Glastonbury. I mean, I will if I don't get a ticket, but I'm always going to try for a ticket because there's never enough hours in the day at Glastonbury anyway. And if I have to spend some of it working, then I don't know how I'd cope with that. But actually, the way that you flip that back on itself is totally true. Like, I'm never going to see anything anyway. So why not... You know, I do really enjoy working in the volunteer shifts. It's just fun people watching and speaking to people and doing whatever you've got to do. If I'm not going to see it all anyway, what are a few hours of working anyway? And then contributing back to the thing that I love so much. Never thought of it that way. Thank you. You flipped my head around there. So let's do like a little mini summary, I guess. Would you ever go back to trying for tickets? Or is volunteering now the way you're going to go? And why is that? Personally, no. I do try for tickets, but I don't really try so I always log in and say uh, if I was successful I know people listening would be really angry with that because up the servers I know I'm one of those people but uh, realistically no I think there are so many benefits to volunteering not just for yourself of course we've talked about the showers and things but it raises a huge amount of money you know literally millions of pounds Glastonbury is one of the only festivals that donates money to charity but the fact that any festival that Oxfam do, that's how they get the money and they can still continue to run. Um, And it's such a wonderful thing to do. So even when you sort of go home at the end of the festival, you're left with this certain feeling of what an amazing time I've had, but what an amazing amount of money I've raised for people who so desperately need it. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's one part we haven't really touched on, is it? But like Oxfam do for... 
you know, every hour you work, that's why it's volunteering. So Glastonbury pay Oxfam for every hour that a volunteer works. And that's how they, you know, raise a, raise a really amazing amount of money. Same, um, you know, they donate money to WaterAid and Greenpeace as yeah. well. But those are the three main ones. And I think it's brilliant. Here's a top tip. A lot of workplaces give you extra days off to volunteer. So if you're planning on volunteering at Glastonbury, get your volunteer days at work as well. That right. is... I never Genius! I get <laughs> a couple of extra uh, days off, which Why have I the Monday never Tuesday. put that together? That is amazing. How about from you, Sean? Would you ever go back to buying a ticket? I've never had a ticket. Well, okay. okay. It's a different dream world. Would you ever try? I guess you've got like a guaranteed volunteer place, so you don't even have to stress about that. But would no. you ever go, right, I'm going to... I think we all want to try and get a ticket now, just to see how the other half live. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much And we want to see, right, is this 250 going to be well spent or thrown down the drain? <laughs> just see how long can we survive being dirty? How long can we survive knowing, oh, we've actually got to pay for our meals? <laughs> you make it sound like third world. It's a post-apocalyptic Disney world. <laughs> and also, we, I like getting up in the morning and being applauded and literally being called hero. Yeah. yeah, it does go to your head, but I think I'm, I think we're very happy we started out doing it, really, because we know it's a guaranteed way. We know we can enjoy it, even though we have to work. And also, you know, I say, like, being applauded. I mean, it's important what we do, essentially, yeah. because you would never be able to walk to one field for another. And there's so much we, so much we pick up. So it is proud to see, like, everything you've picked up. And you just get really a lot of gratitude for everyone and sense of community. So until we do get a ticket and see what it's like and then realise, oh my God, we've got to queue up and find somewhere to camp. <laughs> Rather than just rocking up in Tom's Field and just throwing a pop-up tent anywhere. So until that day, we're going to keep um, we're gonna keep cleaning up everyone's mess. That is a really good point. I mean, it, you know, with, to speaking about it today, I do wonder, like, you know, we pay money to have less days, to have to queue, to not have showers... To not get given free food. <laughs> it is a bit like, wait a minute, why am I even doing this? Um, but yeah, no, you make a really good point. To make everyone really jealous and annoyed, I did actually get the elusive early shifts in 2017. <gasps> oh. It was on. Um, so we were there from Saturday through to the Sunday, a whole week at Glastonbury. Um, and I'd finished my shifts. My last shift was on Tuesday morning. Oh, oh shut up. <laughs> dream slot. What? Dream, dream, dream. I was just letting in... Um, you know, traders and yeah, 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 and, uh, and you know, so other you literally workers. had the full five days at like as if you were a punter, but you still had access to showers, showers, and charges. Oh wow, yeah. that is yeah. incredible. They're the hardest ones to get. And I also think because I've also done two after festival shifts, and sometimes that can be just as good because when you see everyone depressed because they're taking the fun fair away, <laughs> you still do your shifts and come back, and you're just having a camp out with all your friends. Yeah. Putting the barbecue, putting like the fire on and just chilling. Mm. And essentially you just dewire. And when it does come to an end, you do want to get the hell out of there because you're mm. tired as hell. I mean, I mean that is it's the one thing about early shifts. I was also very, very lucky to get mm. early shifts in 2015. They're, they're really good because it's often quite quiet because yeah. you're letting the traders in. But there's a certain sense of thought excitable apprehension mm. of uh, sort of oh how what's this Glastonbury going to be like type thing but then I suppose if you're looking for a negative of it it does feel very long because you sort of I mean I know I got to the Monday and usually sort of the Monday after the festival usually I'm sort of like yeah I'm, I'm ready to go home now I've had a nice sort of, I have a really nice time but it is time to go home when I did the early shifts and I'd been there since the Saturday before 
I was exhausted. I could yeah. barely drive home because mm. I was so tired. So you put all of your energy into your shifts and then you do party a little bit harder than you usually <laughs> would. And so by the end, you feel like you've been there for about a month, yeah. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But as I mentioned before, you really do have to work quite hard. Yeah. And there is, I'd say, a slightly higher expectation of you when you are given the early shifts. Because even though it is completely random, you, you know, you are one of the chosen few that get to do, that get to be on site early. And it's one of those things where you have to tick a box to say, can I do the early shifts or not? The large majority of people will for about 100 positions out of 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's um, it's when, a great if you get the opportunity. When all your friends that you see every year arrive on the Monday and Tuesday, like, what are your shifts like? And you're like, done them. And then you dodge the cans and you dodge the cans. Thank you guys. It's been amazing having you here. We've had an awesome episode talking about volunteering. One of the few legitimate ways uh, remaining if you don't go for the April resale. Um, the nice thing about it is most of these organisations, um, they open up their applications in kind of March. But the, the main thing to take away is if you're thinking about volunteering, sign up for the newsletters now. I think most of them, if you do a bit of a Google, do what Sean said at the beginning, go online and go, how can I get to Glastonbury? There are various kind of, we mentioned a few, obviously we've got Oxfam and Recycling here, but you've got Shelter, you've got Festaf. There are loads more. Um, and I think one of the fun ones that I've always thought about is working at the Oxfam charity shops uh, that are on the festival that would always be good fun um yes so you can go online uh and join a newsletter and then they'll let you know when applications open but it is going to be tough this year it's not going to be something that you can think about you know three weeks before the festival well actually you mentioned maybe places do open up (laughs) not very often to be the case yeah well register for your register interest and don't lose hope yeah exactly that's the way to do it Thanks, guys. I think we should just clap because I know at least Sean would get it. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. See, usually I'm there on my little pick. That went really, really well. I yeah, really was, enjoyed that. It was an amazing, amazing. Ch- it's good to have other people around us who love Glastonbury as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. You're always sort of nervous when you kind of say to people, well, can you come and chat on this thing? And as much as, you know, you think, oh, well, maybe people will be enthusiastic. It's really great that so many people are yeah. so enthusiastic about Glastonbury and just talking about it and telling stories. I love it. To the point when we were receiving our guest today, straight away you were already jumping to talk about Glastonbury. Yeah, and, yeah. and I'm thinking, I wish I can just press record right now. Yeah, yeah. But then of course... Save it for the podcast. Uh, yeah, save it. Stop, stop talking about Glastonbury <laughs> at the moment. But of course we, we know we would end up with like, what, eight hours of audio. Oh yeah, I mean, I, honestly, we say it every time, but I could talk about this for days. And it was the first, as we said at the first, beginning, first for us yeah. to have actual live in-person guests with us, which was great and yeah i don't know about you miguel i know you've already volunteered once and you say it was your favorite one but yeah i'm i don't know all the way through it i was going why haven't i not done this yeah why have i not done <laughs> this so i yeah I, I think i must do it in 2021 it just has to happen like well, we, should, we should do it together i mean 2021 will be my 10 year anniversary or so maybe maybe that's what 10 year special like yeah that. 10 year special mm. And well, yeah, we hope we gave you, the listeners, enough information for you to decide if maybe that's something you want to do because there's still time. You can still be at Glastonbury 2020 if you volunteer. Yeah. 
I mean, it is still going to be difficult to get in. I will say it's not kind of you can just go, yeah, I'll volunteer, sign up, and it'll be easy. Um, last, but last minute spots do open. Last minute <laughs> spots do open. Um, just basically get on those newsletters, get talking to the right people, and I'm pretty sure you'll yeah, you'll find your way in. Check the website of each organization to learn about deadlines. And I think it's good to go on the website and just check out what the actual job entails as well, because obviously different, we've talked about shelter being bar work, Oxfam being gate stewards, uh, and obviously the recycling team being either in the big recycling warehouse or, you know, out collecting litter. Absolutely. There are so many different roles for volunteering and, you know, some might suit you better if you really know that you can't do a night shift. Maybe the recycling team is the one for you, but go do some research and find out what's out there. I mean, yeah, we, we wanted our, our guests to share about the experience, but there's still a lot of information you need to absorb. So uh, get online. Uh, there's there's a eFest thread on volunteering already for 2020. You can read the one from 2019. There's a lot of questions that maybe we didn't cover that you can read there and find much more about it. Yeah, eFest is a great source of information. So if you're not on there, get on there, pay for a gold membership. Yeah, support the website because there's a lot of information you can get from there. And it's a really, really nice community, a welcoming community. Great. Well, thank you very much. Here we go. Another episode done. Yeah, I think that's it from us. Yep. We will see you next time with Rob, hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.